Hey, and welcome back to Comic Book Storylines. I'm Brian Sorensen, a.k.a. Bry the Comic Book Guy. This is part two of the X-Title crossover, Executioner Song. We left off where a few of the X-Men were about to be toast by the MLF member Reaper. The issues this week we're going to cover are X-Men 15 and 16, X-Force 17 and 18, Uncanny X-Men 296 and 297, as well as X-Factor 86. Now, as I always do, I'll be posting pictures of these issues on my Instagram, so like at Bry the Comic Book Guy, or follow, whatever you'd like to do. I'll also be posting on my Facebook as well. So let's get back into it. We left off where Reaper was getting ready to cut Gambit and Quicksilver in half, so we pick up an X-Men 15. He's getting ready to do so. But Havoc comes and saves the day and melts his weapon before he could finish them off. Psylocke uses her powers with her Psy Knife, it's like an extension of her powers that comes out of her hand, knocks him out cold. Boom Boom takes out Forearm, who was about to attack her. Storm, Rogue, and Polaris take out the flyer Dragonus. Cannonball and Boom Boom go after two of their former teammates, uh, names are Rusty and Skids. We've seen Rusty before as Russell in Deadpool 2, Russell Collins. This is Rusty Collins in the comic form. The MLF had brainwashed them into working form. They used to be part of the New Mutants. Uh, Skid breaks down, uh, breaks Boom Boom's jaw in the process of them trying to settle him down. So you can tell they're not acting right. And they're definitely brainwashed. The MLF member Strobe blinds and takes out Rogue before Polar- Polaris can deal with her. After everything is said and done, they've got the MLF pretty much down for the count. Cannonball thanks Havoc and Storm and says, We should have done this a long time ago. And Havoc says, You should have asked. So we can see the tense situation between the rival teams start to ease up here a little bit. Now back at the Department K fiasco with Cable, Bishop, and Wolverine, they've made this uneasy alliance and teleport to Cable's base. He's like, we're going to go up to my base, we'll figure it out from there what to do next. Back at the mansion, Moira, McTaggart, and Beast have exhausted all of their efforts to try and save the Professor. They are truly believing that there is no help for him. A little bit later on, Strife is shown watching over everything that the X-Teams are doing. He's in his base, he's got monitors behind him, and he is looking at everything. He makes uh, some infant food, which is really weird, and takes it to Scott and Jean. They have a power dampener on them, so they can't use their powers to defend themselves. He hand-feeds Cyclops, it's pretty weird that he does this, and yells, Is this how it's done? If I can understand how to take care of a child, then you should too. So you're kind of like, what is his game plan here? He leaves them, and Zero teleports him to Egypt. He makes quick work of the Dark Riders, who are defending Apocalypse. They take, he goes into Apocalypse's stronghold, takes out his whole Dark Rider team pretty easily, and then Apocalypse emerges, and he's like, who are you? And he says, I am Strife, and I am the man who's going to kill you. That picks up in X-Force 16, it's Strife versus Apocalypse. After a brief fight, no clear winner, and then they both have an edge, and they both are pretty strong in everything, but Apocalypse knocks Strife's helmet off at one point, and he's in shock. You finally get to see Strife's helmet off. He looks like Cable, and he is kind of pausing because he's like, you, like he recognizes him. So Strife whips out this big knife and stabs him in the, in the neck with it. The blade's handle has a face of Apocalypse on it, and he immediately recognizes the blade, and he says, this is impossible. This is the blade I used to kill you. So now you're like, so Apocalypse knows who this guy really is. But just as you're trying to figure out what's going on, Apocalypse uses this machine to teleport himself away. Strife's pretty mad that he didn't get a chance to actually kill him, 
But he turns to the Dark Riders and said, since he beat Apocalypse in their model of survival of the fittest, they let him be their new leader. So they, they now follow Strife. So Strife's army is now bigger than it used to be. On Cable's base, which is shown orbiting Earth, Cable's AI professor tells Wolverine and Bishop the backstory of Strife, how he comes from the same future as Cable. He was this despot ruler who they helped overthrow, uh, but Zero teleported them back in time to the 1980s. Uh, Cable said that after he came back in time as well, he fought them. He fought them. And then he found out Strife has the same face as him. So it's like he's not sure who is who in that either because they both wear the same face. Neither one of them knows who the real thing is and who the copy is. So one of them, after all this is said and done, is going to be the real person, and one of them is going to be a copy. So back at the mansion, Beast decides to take some desperate measures and removes the techno-organic slow from Charles's head. So he's performing brain surgery because the shell is still inside his head. Back at Strife's base, he checks on the sleeping couple, Cyclops and Jean, and then he ends up leaving. But it's a ruse, and they find out that they still do have their powers, so it's Strife that was controlling them and suppressing them. So they escape from their cell, and they're trying to find a way out. Now back at the mansion, something slams down right in their front yard. Archangel, Colossus, Iceman, and Polaris go to investigate, and they find that that's where Apocalypse was teleported to, right to the X-Men's front door. Uh, Archangel immediately attacks. Uh, Apocalypse defends himself and tells the team that they must work together to take down Strife. Uncanny X-Men 296, the first page shows Jean's lifeless body in Scott's arms and the Dark Raiders saying, we're going to get her to the morgue and you're going to go back to her cell. But it was a fake out and Cyclops blasts everybody. They continue to find more of Apocalypse's henchmen all around this base and they're confused as to why all of these Apocalypse followers are following Strife now. Uh, they just, they're taking them all out one by one as they keep finding them. Now, Strife is watching all this, and he's saying their predictability will be their doom. So he's got firsthand knowledge of what everybody is like, and it's almost like a big chess game for him. So back at the mansion, the bullet's been removed, but the professor hasn't gotten any better. Moira says she broke the virus's code. She ran it through the computer and displays it for Beast. It's a monitor, and it's a bunch of words that are saying, you are smart, but I am smarter, with a picture of Strife's face in the background. So Beast is really mad because he's felt like he's been taunted this whole time, and he's continued to be taunted by this because no matter what he does, he can't save the professor. Now back in space, Cable, Bishop, and Wolverine are replaying all the events to try and figure out where Cyclops and Jean were taken. You see Wolverine carving something with his one claw into a table, but that'll be more important in a few minutes. We'll get to that. Cyclops and Jean, while on the run, come to a wall that appears to have a baby in the machine. So they're like, what is that? Now back at the mansion, Storm and Havoc stand over Apocalypse as he finishes collecting himself in the Battle of Strife. They're like, why should we trust you? What, what part of this are we getting out of this? He says half of their members are hurt or imprisoned, so they really have no choice. He also says he can help the professor. Now, Archangel begrudgingly vouches for Apocalypse to the point of, yes, he knows how to save the professor. He knows how the technology works, and it's a true testament that he can do this because look at my wings. You can tell what he's done with my wings, so obviously he knows what he's doing. But he tells Apocalypse that he will be the one that takes him down if he defies their trust. Now, back at the prison, Scott thinks that the baby in the machine looks like his baby son, who in a small four-part issue... In the later days of the original X-Men run in, in X-Factor, Cyclops' son 
was infected with a techno-organic virus from Apocalypse, and they sent him to the future to be cured with a character that appeared in the last issue of that and wanted to take him to the future to save him. Now, Strife says if they attempt to free the baby, it'll die, but they still try. So the Dark Riders are trying to uh, defend the baby or trying to attack the baby and Cyclops and Jean Grey. Now, Strife's inner monologue can't believe what he's seeing because his instincts were wrong here, and they're fighting for the life of the baby because he expected them to just give up and not help, not save the baby. Eventually, they realize that the baby isn't real, and they jump off of a platform down this long tunnel. Cyclops blasts a hole in the wall because he thinks they can just like shoot out of the wall because they don't know where they are. But they end up being sucked out into a vacuum. Now, you flash over to where Wolverine is, and he says, wait, I know where they are. And he lifts up the table, and it's a picture carving of the moon. So you go back to Cyclops and Jean, and they're falling out of the complex, and they land on the moon's surface. Uh, X-Factor 86, Wolverine calls the mansion. He tells his teammates, Scott and Jean are on the moon. That's the only place that makes sense. And everybody's like, how did you know that? He's like, well, none of the psychics could pick them up, so they weren't on Earth. None of the computers can find their life signs, so they couldn't be on Earth. And they piece together that they realize that an escape was in progress. Jean and Cyclops realized where they were. She sent out a psychic cry for help. And Wolverine, being as close as they are, because they're really good friends, and Jean is close to Wolverine in a way in the comics, that he would be susceptible to whatever call Jean went out. And since they're orbiting Earth, his subconscious picked up the cry for help, and he carved into the moon, and when he was done, he realized, hey, this is a picture of the moon. That's where they got to be. So Cable realizes that he's got to recalibrate his gear to transport them to the moon. It's not like transporting to Earth. So Havoc picks a strike force to head there as well, but first Apocalypse has to help Professor. It's part of their deal. So uh, Strife is on the moon. He surrounds Cyclops and Jean with an air bubble. He saves their life after they've kind of passed out. And he tells them this entire time he's been making them run through his hoops. And that he is a lot like Cyclops, and Cyclops is a lot like him. So you're like, this guy has really got it for these two. Now back at the mansion, Apocalypse stands over Xavier ready to help. He tells them he requires one device, which he pulls out of his belt, in 90 seconds. He ends up touching the professor, and suddenly the professor screams in agony. There's all sorts of flashes of light and everything. Now Archangel stops everyone from intervening. He kind of spreads his, uh, his metallic wings out and blocks everybody from trying to jump in and help. They think Apocalypse took him over as well, so they're like, crap, he got taken over. Now, it, it keeps flashing back and forth here, so I keep jumping all around because that's where the, the books go back and forth. Now, back on the moon, Cyclops and Jean begin to lose their air because they're getting Strife pissed, and they're losing air because he's not concentrating enough to keep the air around them. He yells at them that they need to tell him that they need him and they want his help to get out, but they refuse and end up passing out. He rips off his helmet and screams at them that he orders them to look at him, but they're both passed out. So Cable's team finishes the calibrations and says, let's go. So you see them getting ready to teleport. Now back at the mansion, Archangel tells him, if you stop the process, you're going to regret it and they'll see. Xavier and Apocalypse vanish briefly in a big flash of light and then they reemerge in another flash of light. The professor falls to the ground and a techno-organic life form crawls from his body and Apocalypse kills him. He explains to the team that the professor will fully recover in time, and he explained that he pushed the techno-organic virus to the point of it was growing too much and it needed another body to sustain it, and it tried to feed off of Apocalypse, but he couldn't, so that's, it left Charles's body to find another host, but he killed it in time. 
Storm thanks him for his help and says that they need to get to the moon fast. And Apocalypse says, I have a ship that can do that, so let's go. The end of the issue is Cable's team teleports into Strife's compound, but is completely surrounded by the Dark Riders. X-Men 16 picks right up from there. The endgame is approaching here. Bishop, Cable, and Wolverine are surrounded by the Dark Riders. Wolverine just yells, tear into them, we'll sort out the pieces later. Now Bishop and Cable are going back and forth while they're fighting, saying Wolverine's in the middle of one of his berserker rages, which in the comics he's frequent to do that. But he shouts he's not, he's just not talking and tearing through them. Just as one of the Dark Riders, a character named Gauntlet, takes out Wolverine. Now Bishop and Cable rush to cover him and everything, so then, then they end up get completely surrounded. Wolverine says his healing factor has kicked in, so give him a minute. And just about as he's about to be overrun, all three of them, the assault team from the mansion with Apocalypse charges in. And there's kind of like this background little monologue going on. Imagine, here's the rescue team, but then they're confused because Apocalypse is with them. But they're kicking butt, so whatever. And Strife's watching from afar and says that his little chess game is apparently becoming unraveled. But how can they defeat me because I am there tomorrow? He walks over to Cyclops and Jean Grey and says they simply cannot. He surrounds them in another air cocoon and leads them onto the surface of the moon. He's taking them to some big machine that he has been working on on another part of the moon. Jean asked him where he's taking them, and he says, to her end. Now back at the mansion, we see Beast tending to the professor, who's now lost all of those techno-organic wounds, and he's dreaming. As the reader, we can see in his head the, the balloons and everything, and he's thinking of all the events that are unfolding on the moon because of his telepathic powers he can see everything that's going on and beast is wondering what's going inside that head because he's still got a fever so it's like some fever dreams mixed in with he's sensing what's going on so back on the moon the x teams mop the floor with the dark riders they split up to try and find cyclops and gene but apocalypse wants to go off on his own to find the remaining followers that turned against him to follow strife so wolverine's team is him psylocke and storm they determine that Gene and Cyclops are outside on the surface of the moon, so they have to get into this gear to try and get out there. They relay that information to Cable's team that has Cannonball, Polaris, and Havoc. So they suit up, and they get ready to go out to the moon's surface. Uh, they First, they got to get to where that construct is, so they use the ship Apocalypse used to get them there to reach them in time. We see Apocalypse meeting up with the remaining Dark Riders and the others and begins to attack, so you don't get to see the fight, actually. As Cable and the rest find where Strife took Cyclops and Jean, we finally get to go back to the mansion, and you see the professor waking up and saying, Scott, Jean, Cable, and Strife, they're all linked. But he's still dazed from being out of it so long, so Beeson is not sure what he's saying. Now back on the moon, they're about to approach the stronghold, Cable, Havoc, Cannonball, and Polaris, but they hit a force field and are separated. Polaris and Cannonball are on the outside of the force field, why Havoc and Cable are on the inside of it. Cable says, why did we get saved? But we don't, we're not sure why. Why did we get in here and nobody else did? But Strife yells down from above, oh, come now, failed brother. You mu why must you ask why? Let's talk about some twisted futures and lost pasts of life and death. And that's how the issue ends with that. The big finale is in X-Force 18, Cable versus Strife, the final round. Cable calls out Strife that this is the end. We've got, we are settling this right now. He says, it's you and me now. If my time comes, I'm taking you with me. Strife removes his helmet, and then the, the fight is on. Uh, and he says, perhaps you're right, but do Scott and Gene get forgiven for their trespasses? So you're like, he's still on this for some reason. What's going on? Now, in the background of all of this stuff, 
it's some like time machine and it's showing images of the earlier X Factor issues where Cyclops had to send his son away after being infected with that techno organic virus. So as the reader, you're wondering, are one of these that kid? And the, the kid's name was Nathan Christopher Summers. So you're wondering, is one of these guys that kid? So the battle is on. It's intense and furious. Cable gets pretty badly injured. There's no holds barred here. Now, meanwhile, back in the moon compound, all the X-Men meet up, and they discover the Dark Riders bailed out and left Apocalypse behind. Psylocke tells Archangel that he's dying, so Archangel goes immediately to fly off to find him, so he's like their loose cannon. He wants some satisfaction to watch this happen. Now, back outside, Cannonball and Polaris wake up, and they notice they can't do a thing to help anybody on the inside. And then the battle rages as Strife blasts Cable several times to reveal Cable is half machine, like half of Cable's face gets peeled off, and it's all machine and half of his body. The whole right side is all mechanical, but he's screaming, he is his own man, Strife, come at me, we're going to deal with this. Now, back in the compound, Archangel finds Apocalypse, stands over him, and tells him he is no longer fit to survive. But rather than kill him off or watch him die, he tells Apocalypse that he never took his soul away, so he is still human in that aspect, and that all he needs to do is just go away. Now Apocalypse is begging for him to take his life because he wants to go out in an honorable way. Then we see Apocalypse laying in a pool of blood in the shadow one last time. We don't get to see him again for the rest of the storyline. Now Havoc joins on the attack on Strife and helps Cable out. Cyclops and Jean join in on the fight and Strife says we're all together now. Now Scott says they can help Strife with whatever issues and help resolve it because Cyclops still being like the diplomat and the nice guy, he still refuses to believe that he's all bad and he's trying to get that uh, he's good. Uh, but Strife refuses to believe that Gene and Scott are good and they genuinely want to help him. But then they figure out Strife's machine is some type of time portal and he has engaged it to bring them all to the future. But Cable, who's kind of barely hanging on, he rigs a device to his techno-organic parts and he ends up rigging a bomb to blow up and he throws Cyclops the trigger to blow the whole thing up, but tells him he needs to get Strife first. As the two still struggle in the battle, Cyclops can't bring himself to, do, to hit the switch, but Cable yells at him to hit the switch. He says, Summers, activate the vortex now. He says, forgive me, as he hits the button. The building explodes, and you see Strife and Cable sucked into this collapsing vortex before it implodes. Now, Cyclops begins to realize who he was, and he says, we had to sacrifice him a second time. The X-Men finally reach Cyclops and the others, and then they take him home. Back at Mr. Sinister's headquarters, he had one of his scientists open that canister that Strife had given him way in the beginning. Apparently, Strife was supposed to give Mr. Sinister the summer's genetic code for him to use on his own, but the canister was empty. All you see is steam rise from the canister, but then the scientist begins to cough. Uh, The end of the issue says a new chorus begins. There's an epilogue issue of this, Uncanny X-Men 297. Uh, It's a little, it's just, has some ramifications uh, afterwards, but I'll get to the the epilogue first. Beast and Archangel rebuild the the restaurant Harry's Hideaway that was damaged in the fight in the first issue where Scott and Jean were kidnapped because it was their hangout as kids, so they rebuilt it to owe the uh, to the future X Men to kind of have a place to hang out. The professor recovers fully and he briefly regains the ability to walk, so he's walking around the grounds. And there's a funny part where he goes rollerblading with Jubilee. But at the end of the issue, he ends up losing his ability to walk again because they did tell him it's temporary. Cyclops and Jean reflect on what's happening and who Strife and Cable really were. 
And then Sinister realizes he made a grave mistake, and he is actually right. Now, the ramifications I'm going to talk about briefly. I'll go into what was in the canister first. Uh, Future issues, there's probably like two or three issues after this. Uh, Cyclops is called by Mr. Sinister, and he explains what happened. What Strife really did in that canister is he released a virus on mutants. They called it the Legacy Virus. Now, there was a few mutants that had died in, like, kind of, like, quick scenes and everything, and it began to kind of build up and affect more and more characters in the X-Men universe. They couldn't figure out what happened, and then they find out that Strife was the one that released the virus. It was Strife's dying legacy. That's why they call it the Legacy Virus. And it took years for them to be able to find the cure in the comics. Like, it was a long-standing thing in the comics for years to come. Beast was trying to figure it out. Everybody was trying to figure it out. And it ended up killing Colossus's sister, Ileana. And we'll cover that in next uh, the next episode where we talk about the six-parter Fatal Attractions. And right before that six-parter is when Colossus's sister, Ileana, who used to be in the New Mutants, died of the legacy virus now who is cable and strife it ends up being they do eventually get to it that cable is the future nathan christopher summers he is the son of cyclops and the mr sinister clone madeline Pryor, who i'll get to cover in the storyline inferno and strife is a clone that apocalypse cloned to try and fight Cable, but he ended up having issues with that. So it, it's a whole big thing where it ends up being Cable is the real one and Strife is the clone. Now that's where I'm going to leave it for this week, and I can cover a little bit more of what happened because you'll see some ramifications in it in Fatal Attractions in uh, the X-Force issue and in the X-Men issues. So I thank you again for joining me on this journey this week for this two-parter. It was a huge storyline that we didn't really know was going to be huge until towards the end and future issues to come on how big this storyline was for the future of the X-Men. As always, I'll have the issues posted on my Instagram, at BriTheComicBookGuy. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, BriTheComicBookGuy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.